Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ from My Hammers 11. Hope you're safe and well on YouTube channel. Please consider subscribing, hitting the bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Lots of videos going up, sometimes two, three times a day, particularly obviously after Sunday. This Sunday when there's been no football for a couple of weeks, couple of months at least now, uh, or four or five weeks by the looks of it. Um, so we'll be keeping the content going so you get your football fix in between the off-season. Um, loads of great guests coming up, including today's guest, lifelong fan, it's Matthew Kemp. Hi, Matt. How are you doing, man? I'm very good. Thanks for inviting me, Rush. Really, really pleased to be part of the show today. I've, I've watched a few of the episodes and they've been fantastic so far. Brilliant. Thank you. An absolute pleasure having you, man. Uh, how is this new world we live in? How is lockdown treating you at the moment? I'm kind of getting used to it now, Russ. It's all about Zoom and Microsoft Teams becoming part of my everyday life. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a virtual world we live in now. So, yeah, I've acclimatised reasonably well. Yeah, it is. This is the one Zoom call that people like having. So, uh... <laughs> no, definitely, yeah. yeah. No, Talk about no problem. Band. Exactly. Well, as well, I know so it, some people might not enjoy talking about West Ham if they're West Ham fan. <laughs> but uh, obviously, you know, it's it's weird, isn't it, thinking about it? Because we had like no football for like a hundred days, and then we had this sort of deluge of games, yeah, three or four a day, and then after Sunday, that's it. It's like what. <laughs> what do we do again you know what i mean it's it's crazy when you think about it how many games we've played in such a small amount of time yeah i know i'm I'm probably the most pessimistic west ham fan you'll meet though my, my glass is always half empty and not half full so i'm pleased the season's over we're safe and that's the most important thing but ironically we just started playing the best football i've seen all season and now it's going to come to an end so hey ho it is it's the west ham way isn't it and you're right it's weird as well because you know we've got villa on sunday and it's like, I can't remember another time where I can re- relax watching West Ham play because, you know, there's nothing to play for, really. Um, we're sort of stuck in that position. We're not going to get above Brighton or whatever. You know, it's, we're just stuck there. So it's, you know, it's nice to sit back and watch Villa squirm more than, <laughs> more than anything. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. The first question I always ask everyone, Matt, when, I come, when they come on is, um, is why West Ham? Why is West yeah. Ham your club, man? 
Yeah, I think my dad took me in 1982, Boxing Day, to see Swansea City. We won 3-2 that day. I think it was Ray Stewart, Van der Elst and Goddard that scored. And um, I had a small um, seat that I took, it was a fold-up seat, and took it to the back of the North Bank and, and was right at the back there. And I was hooked thereafter and um, managed to go to a few more games. Um, one of my friends had a, an executive seat in the West Stand and invited me to a few games there. So I get to see McAvenny in the bar. He was the one player who was always in the bar. Um, and he was, my, he was my hero, you know, blonde hair, white teeth. Um, obviously, later in life, we learned the teeth were real. He was ginger. But uh, hey, you know, and became a season ticket holder in 87. And believe it or not, um, I've been a season ticket holder since. So uh, my client reference number is a very low number, which I'm very <laughs> proud of. <laughs> Yeah, you could probably, yeah, it's like that's your stamp of honour, isn't it? It's like your client reference number. How low down, how many digits is your client reference oh, number? <laughs> exactly, no, exactly, exactly. And obviously since like 82, 87 onwards, say, it's probably, probably a better reflection. Um, there must have been lots of highlights for you personally being a West Ham. Not many, I'd, I'd gather, but, but, you know, lots of like, you know, uh, memories which stick out well for you that, uh, that maybe, you know, others might not have, have thought of or, or things personal to you in, in terms of West Ham. Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I've been quite pleased to be involved with West Ham a lot because I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't quite make it, but um, as part of that, I, I worked in a wine bar, uh, which was called Holland's. And I think I've given the name away. It was owned by Pat Hollands. And uh, he was the Tottenham youth coach at the time. And managed to do an interview with Pat. And he also took me down to Tottenham. I met Razor Ruddock and Paul Allen. And um, basically had my work for, for the Pat Holland interview published in Overland Sea, which was run by Gary Firmiger. And, yeah. you know, Russell noted you had a few ex-Odash writers on recently with Robert Banks, uh, Jim Jury, Liam Tyrrell. And I, I was one of those as well. So... Um, to sort of get more into it, I, I wrote to Peter's story um, and he met me um, and he gave me access to the training ground. So oh, yeah. I've got some great stories. You just couldn't do that these days. And I went down to Chapel Heath and I was doing articles for the student magazine. Um, I interviewed uh, Joran Bohr, um, Les Seeley, who both sadly are no longer with us, um, and Matty Holmes, Steve Jones, um, and a number of different players. So it was, it was really good to be part of that. Met Harry and Bonzo and Julian and various other players. So that was, that was really, really good. Um, sadly, I didn't quite make it. Um, I've done the odd article for, for Graham Howlett on these at Mother Brown and a few videos for Gonzo and Gio on Hammers Chat. So it's more of a hobby now than, yeah. a, than, than a career. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot. Um, I suppose the stories that stick out, I was in the East Stand, funny enough, in front of Jim and his brother and his dad, um, by the TV gantry, and there used to be a ladder that goes up. And Andy Gray had to climb this ladder. Yeah, I and you think in this day and age, health and safety, <laughs> how that happened. Um, but training ground stories, um, a few I remember. Um, Ludo was obviously in goal, and uh, one of these guys came down. He's unemployed, sadly, and wanted a present for his son, a bit of memorabilia. And uh, Ludo offered his glove signs, and then said to this fellow of me, do you want to take some penalties against me? So... I had a chance to take some penalties against Ludo Miklosko. Um, and another one was um, Jonah, Steve Jones, Stepto, who was on the other day. Um, he didn't drive. And uh, one of my mates was a big Billericay Town fan, which is where Jonah came from. And he said, Steve, you knew his name and everything. He said, uh, you drive in the day? He went, yeah. He said, you, can you give us a lift up? And I was sitting in his car with this guy. They faced off Schmeichel the week before for Man United. Uh, well, this is, this is a different world. So yeah. some, some great stories, some really good stories. Yeah, no, it's funny. I love Jonah. He's such a lovely bloke. And it's like, and I, I forget that 
you know, Pete, obviously I've met quite a few, been very fortunate to meet a lot of players in a very short amount of time and a lot of fans as well. But um, I forget sometimes that you're Facebook friends with people. Like my wife put up a really embarrassing post of, you know, me and my daughter. And then like Jonah liked it and I thought, oh God, oh, my, the mystique of me has just been torn away. But um, no, yeah, no, it's funny. Isn't it? And, and they all, you know, that's, that's the one thing that's always surprised me. And I mean, obviously you've interviewed lots of players as well. Um, I've just how down to earth they are. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think we put, you know, we go, oh my God, we put them on the pedestal, but they're just blokes. And it's like, you know, and they're so like nice and just have enough time for you. And um, they're just, you know, they must get asked, asked the same questions all the time from fans, you know, particularly, you know, like McAvenny and Cossie, or what was it like in the 86 season? Tell me about Chelsea away and stuff like that. But when they answer those questions, it feels like they answer them for the first time. Um, just because, you know, they're just, they're just nice. They're just all bloody decent blokes. And that's what I love yeah, about them. The funny one about them was um, many, many years ago, there was uh, a programme called Vintage Sports. You can't even find it on YouTube. And they asked some West Ham fans to come forward. And I did. And I was interviewed for half an hour. I got 10 seconds on the programme. I was sandwiched in between Leslie Grantham and Trevor Brookin. And the, the focus was on McAvenny and Cotty. And the weird thing about McAvenny, people don't remember this, there was a football ban on, on TV at the time for some reason. And no one actually knew what this guy looked like. It was only when he it was on Terry Wogan that everyone knew who he actually was. Um, so it's quite crazy. Yeah, there was a story. I think it was Saturday, Sam Delaney or, one, or someone like that. And, and he was saying that the, he, he was talking about and the first time he saw him play was, I think it was Orion in a friendly. You know, we always, always should play Orion, didn't we, in a pre-season friendly every other year. And McAvenny turned out for, for West Ham and he thought he was Italian. <laughs> he thought it was, was Machiavelli and, you know, because he had this sort of blonde like hair and, you know, he used to call him Frank Macaroni for like many, many years. That was like his sort of family nickname for him. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. And, it's, and also you know, the sad thing is obviously, you know, that, that season, you know, there's, there's not as much footage, I think, as there should be of that season because of the football ban. You're right. And, you know, didn't see as many goals, Macca's goals and, and, you know, it wasn't as revered. Um, or as much footage as you can find because you can find footage you know, it's in almost bloody anything nowadays but uh, the 85-86 season it was uh, a lot trickier to find stuff because obviously I've been searching around looking at trying to find stuff and uh, it's a lot harder it's definitely a lot harder but uh, yeah I, I have no idea why the football ban happened I'm sure someone will comment on the video and tell me why and I'll, then I'll learn no, I'll it's, yeah. it's a cathartic process it's an ongoing process being a West Ham fan you learn all these new things coming along um, so, so obviously well, you know the, the whole the whole premise of the, of the the, the the idea of the show, uh, Matt is about is about Hammers eleven. Um, so it's about picking your eleven players. So um, the only rule is you have to be alive to have seen them play. Really, we try and keep it to a four four two. But you know, I'm I'm open to suggestions. You know, I'm not really fussed to be honest. Um, but that's the only rule is you have to be alive to have seen them play. So obviously, obviously it's a generational thing. It means we don't all put the same bloody team together of legends because you know we'd all put parks and we'd all put more and we'd all put bonds and brooking but i wasn't around to see him um and, and you know you were around to see bobby moore so you know you shouldn't necessarily have to put him in um, but that's it really you can go for a theme you can do your favorite player it doesn't really matter it's all about the, the players that meant something to you um so so for the so for the the, the kemp 11 um who would be between the sticks for the kemp 11 
this, this wasn't easy, Russ. I've got to, I've got to say, and I've, I'm, the theme is I'm going to look at players I've seen play since 1982. So nice. I've got quite a few good years to look at. Yeah. I'm going to mention some players that haven't made it, but you know, Rob Green for me did really well at club level. Obviously, international level, there were a few few bloopers here and there, but at club level, he was a really good goalkeeper. I also like David James. Um, and I saw Phil Parks near the end of his career because Parks, he probably would have edged it in there. But mm. you probably guessed who I'm going to go for. It's the guy that I took the Pens versus, and he's safe, yeah. him, by the way. It's <laughs> Ludo Miklosko. Um, he comes from near Moscow, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Ludo joins, um, it was Lou Makari's last signing uh, before yeah. he got sacked. And he made his debut versus Swindon Town. I think we, we drew two all. And the first thing I remember from watching that game was Ludo's goal kicks went from one side of the pitch to the other. And I was like, wow, this guy has got a great kick on him. And he was a fabulous shot stopper as well. Um, but the game that sort of sticks in my memory um, was when we drew one all with Man United and denied them the, the trophy, the, the league win. And um, obviously Blackburn won the title that season. And, and Ludo got man of the match. And there was a reason he got man of the match, because he was a very busy goalkeeper. But fantastic club servant and a great player for us. And it's, all, it's always Man United, isn't it? It's always Man United for us, you know. And we've we've buggered up, we buggered up their Champions League hopes. You know, they got to get something. They got to beat basically beat Leicester, don't they? Or draw? I think yeah, they got to beat Leicester to to get into Champions League. But it's always Man United. I, I spoke to some Man United fans on one of their, you know, like you know Gonzo and uh, get like you know opposition fans to do previews. So I was I was asked to do a Man United one. And I just said, I said, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. We're full of... You're not going to win because it's like it's West Ham and it's Man United. And when you've got something to play for, we'll bugger you up. (laughs) And uh, I mean, Ludo, you know, where did that... Where did that get... Yeah, that that performance, where did it come from that that day? You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's quite funny when you look back and you you look back with slightly... You take your your claret glasses off slightly and I... (laughs) My granddad used to call him Loopy Ludo, and I didn't never really understood why. Because I just saw him as this colossus, and yeah, <laughs> I I understood why he thought that. But you're right, just that thumping goal kick, and he used to kick it really funnily. Funnily, it's not the right word, but he used to have a very strange goal kick, almost on the side, which he had to try and kick. It was really weird, but um, yeah, it was just so unusual. This little foreign-based goalkeeper turner. He was sort of one of the first ones for us, wasn't he? And it was. Um, and he was so athletic, and he didn't like Phil Parks. And he didn't like any goalkeeper we'd had before. He was built, and but uh, yeah, he's funny. But he, he used to introduce himself, you know. Hi, I'm I'm Ludo. I don't come from Moscow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the man. All right, Loopy Ludo's in. Okay, who? Let's go left back then. Who we go left back then? Matthew? Left back. It's an easy one for me. It's Julian Dix, the Terminator. Yeah. Um, I met Julian a number of times when he was a player in the nightclubs, believe it or not, and he always had time for us West Ham fans. And um, I, I turned the big four hour a few years ago, and um, I've known Terry Marsh through the work I do, and Terry got Julian to come along as, as a guest for my 40th, and he was just a fantastic guy yeah. to have around. And at the time, he was training the, 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 the West Ham ladies team uh, before he got the job working with, with Slavin. And, um, you know, such a nice guy. Um, he gave his all on the pitch. Very shrewd signing from John. Lowe. I remember watching him. He got a job from Birmingham City for just over 100 grand or something. And um, yeah, he, he had a great. He was a great penalties. He was great at free kicks. And it was even an injured Julian Dix coming back because obviously he wasn't quite the same player when he came back. I was just pleased to, to have him around. And um, a little known thing that people don't know is when he left West Ham, he managed Haybridge Swifts, and he actually took them up via the playoffs. 
but he didn't take them up wider playoffs because they had some new ruling about um, points per game or something. So Haybridge didn't go up and he just said, this is a nonsense. But um, he, he joined Slaven at West Brom and I'm really pleased for, for him and Slaven that they got West Brom up. I'm not a West Brom fan, but to see two West Ham, ex-West Ham players do so well at the club, it was really pleasing. Yeah, definitely. And obviously they'll be back on, they'll be back at London Stadium next season. Um, hopefully with some fans there. Who knows? Yeah. Depends. Depends what time of the season and uh, and if anything, God forbid, happens in between that. But um, yeah, I know what you mean Julia. You know, and it's. I just. I. Um, he's one of those guys. I think. I think there's something in Julian that that we you know a lot of lot of lot of, lot of blokes live their life through Julian because he looked like one of us. Do you know what I mean? He's like. <laughs> He wasn't. He wasn't like chiselled. He was like rugged. He, he ripped his shirt. He looked like he could. He was a bricker. Brick, yeah, brick, that's what I mean. He just had this little labourer look about him, and he's almost like I could do that. You know, if Julian can do it, I can do it. And especially, you know, he wouldn't train. You know, or he'd have a, a Mars bar and a can of coke, and then go and play ninety minutes Premier League football and stuff like that. And he was just relatable, and I think that's why because. You know, he was playing in a position which wasn't particularly glamorous, you know, it's that sort of left back position, but he could just galvanize a team and galvanize the crowd from one of his tackles or a 30 yard screamer or one of his penalties. Or, you know, he was just an incredibly important player for us. And um, it's great that he's doing that, you know, that they're that him and Slab are doing. Did a great job with West Brom, obviously. Dean Garner scoring that last game as well. You know, another West Ham boy, and it's um, it's nice to see because I think he's, you know we like to see our boys do well, and um, and Julian was just oh, he's just he's just fantastic, and you know he's he's my idol. I just think he's absolutely fantastic, man. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think Julian's appeared in something like. 68% of people's 11s. <laughs> it doesn't matter what generation they are. Yeah. Even people like Mark Ward, you know, Mark Ward basically went, did his, his team, the 86 team, apart from the left back and said, put Julian Dix in. He went, and if we had Julian Dix that year, then it wouldn't have been if we won the league, but how many points we'd have won the league by? Because he was the, that was the missing piece he felt to, to that 86 team. But um, yeah, Julian's in. Okay. Let's go, let's go right back. Then Matthew? Another easy one for me. He spent 12 years at the club. Um, they called him Tonka after the toys because he was indestructible. It's Ray Stewart. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the 84 goals he scored, only six of them weren't from penalties. And that says a lot. And it, it's, it's incredible that he was there for so long because I was just used to seeing him at right back. And yeah. I don't think we've ever had a better right back since, since Ray Stewart. No, you're right. I think we haven't done... That's one area we, you know, I mean, centre backs and goalkeepers and, but full backs, particularly after Julian, May Stewart, maybe Breaker. Apart from that, we haven't really had like, you know, like um, household names at full back. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we sort of make do at full back or we'll, I know, when we used to put, we used to put old uh, Tompkins right back sometimes or we'd get Carl Jenkinson in loan and there wasn't, you know, it's not like, you know, centre backs, wherever you could probably read off five or six really good centre backs we've had in our time there, but uh, at least. But you know, full backs, yeah. I mean, Tonka's just, you know, I've watched loads of loads of the uh, loads of the games that he was playing for, and obviously, yeah, to score that many goals is is mental. You know, from penalties and uh, such a lovely guy as well. You know, we'll get him on. He's going to be on the channel eventually, um, but uh, he's agreed to do it when we all 
can do it face to face. He doesn't like these computer things. <laughs> Can't get his head around the technology, but uh, you know, yeah, I love him. Such a lovely guy. Um, right, okay. Tonka is in centre backs. Who's your first centre back then? I think. Right. The first centre half. Um, he he's ousted uh, Ray Stewart in terms of the years he spent at the club. It was over twenty years. It's it's Billy Bonds, um, yeah. and I'm so glad the club recognised him by naming a stand after him. Um, I've met Bonzo once and he's such a nice guy and he was just fantastic. Now, I probably saw him at the later part of his of his career, but when he was in his early 40s, believe it or not. Um, but um, if you speak to Julian or read some of the biographies, they always said when training was happening, the first person at the front was Bonzo. And, and, and that's amazing. And he, even now he looks good and he's in his 70s, bless him. Um, but he's a club legend and I was so pleased just to see him play. Fantastic player. More of a utility player because he could play anywhere, but I'm, yeah. I'm putting him at centre back. Yeah, and, and and you're totally right. Yeah, and it was it was well overdue. I think everyone admits that it was well overdue um, getting the stand named after him and that recognition. Um, but yeah, he's you know you can you could tell how much it meant to the fans, but also how much it meant to him as well. You know that just seeing him ball his eyes out. You know it was just like such a an incredible. Um, incredible image, um, and obviously, you know, all the all his mate teammates were there as well, and his family. And I love, you know, yeah, it's this what I love about Bonzo is, you know, famously he never has a mobile phone, so you can't really get hold of him. He uses his daughters, and I love all that sort of in sort of all these little nuances. Like obviously, the last game of the season, he saw as he was driving, he saw the fact that there was all the not trouble, but there's all those fans and he's with his grandkids. So he turned around and came back. And it just shows you even that day, which was probably one of the greatest days in modern West Ham history, really. He was more concerned about the wellness of his family. And that just shows the man, shows the, how, much, how much credit and and um, and how humble he is as well. He's really, really quite a shy person, isn't he? I mean, you've met him. He's, he's quite... It's quite quiet. Um, but when he crossed that line, he became this terrier. A bit like Julian Dix, really. I mean, Julian was the same, you know. Quite a quiet, well-mannered person. But he crossed that line and that's it. You know, he's he's got game face on. But, uh, yeah, no, I was... Obviously, I, I never saw him play. You know, he was manager when I started um, supporting West Ham. But, uh, obviously, watching all the... No, you can't watch it. We'll have to watch him all again soon because we'll be bored. We'll have no football again, so we'll have to... We'll be clucking, won't we? We'll have to... But YouTube, get back onto the old Robert Banks. He's, uh, all of his uh, end-of-season reviews start watching them again. But, uh, no, yeah, we'll put Bonzo in. Good shout. OK, who's Bonzo going to partner in the other centre-half position then, Matthew? It's a difficult one because there's a lot of, lot of players that have played in that position. I was a big fan of Mark Reaper, who was yeah. a Danish international, came over and, and, worked and played alongside Slav. Um, and this is a bit of a controversial one because this player probably had a much better career elsewhere, but it's going to be Rio Ferdinand. Mm. And um, the reason I've chosen Rio was he's come through the youth academy. Um, I saw him on his debut when we played Sheffield Wednesday and drew one all. And straight away, you could see this guy was going to be a player. And the thing about him as a player was he liked to play the ball out of defence and so many defenders just don't do that. Just hoof it away for safety. Yeah. And you could see the control he had on the ball. And, um, you know, I was gutted when he left to Leeds United and, and one of the players we got was Titi Kamara. I don't know how that worked out with the 18 million that Harry had to spend. But um, I saw a lot of Rio play when he, when he was at West Ham and he served us well. Um, just such a shame that we couldn't get hold of him. But... At international level, we did phenomenally well, and other clubs did well as well. Yeah, totally. And and with Rio, I, I always have this sort of 
caveat every time I see him on the on the pitch or when he was when he was obviously playing at United in England and you know when he's doing his TV work at the moment he's still he's still a West I've still got he's, he's still a West Ham boy you know he's still a West Ham you can just see under his t- you imagine under his shirt he's still got a West Ham you know vest on or something like that you know it's it's, it's funny some players you know once once they've gone they've gone you know it's like Pyatt you know whatever yeah yeah but with Rio you still Still West Ham for any still he's still he's still one of us and uh, no yeah I mean he's yeah it's a shame we didn't have him as long as long as we would have hoped and um, who knows what would have been you know if he didn't go to Leeds and stayed with us for a couple of years and then went to Man United because I think obviously the Man United was the big move but uh, yeah it's what it was okay Rio is in uh, that's the defence done let's go midfield let's go left midfield. Who got left midfield then, Matt? Left midfield was a difficult one because I desperately wanted to put Devonshire in, but unfortunately he was injured a lot during the times that yeah. I was going and I saw flashes of him and, and, and just to give him credit, you know, what he did on the pitch. You can imagine what the pitches were like in the 80s compared to what they are now. Such a good player. But um, I'm going to give it to another good player who, who had three years at West Ham and it's Liam Brady, uh, mm. Chippy, as we used to call him. Um, John Lyle pulled off a master stroke bringing him back from Italy. I think he played for Ascoli, enjoyed us for 100 grand. He had great close control, really good passing, good vision. And, um, you know, typical West Ham player. The last game he played for West Ham was against Wolverhampton Wanderers, and we won 4 0. And he scored with a, uh, just outside the box, and it was just a phenomenal goal. I was watching it from the East Stand, and that was his last game before he retired. So um, we got some good years out of Liam, and he, yeah. was, he was a great player. Great player. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right, and it's, we do well, don't we? We do. We, we, we very rarely do we buy a player in their prime, don't we? They tend to be bookended. We either right at the beginning or right at the end, um, and uh, and yeah, something like yeah. I mean, Liam Brady's a classic. You know, in my, I, I never saw him play live, but in my sort of. Yeah. Very sort of Teddy Sheringham-esque, you know, right at the end of his career, but still had a good few years and could still deliver something. And um, you know, a lot, lots of people say, you know, Liam Brady was like the forgotten man of that era because everyone talks about everyone else, but Liam Brady was was a fantastic player. And uh, yeah, no, I think it's a, that's a great shout on the left as well. Um, right, okay, so let's go. Let's get the other side then. Let's go to the right midfield then. This, this is a controversial one, uh, sadly. Um, you, you've already mentioned his name, um, <laughs> but unfortunately, he was the best West Ham player I've ever seen, and um, that is Dimitri Payet. Yeah. And I'll show you something, Russ, uh, quickly. It's, it's off the wall. Um, but I bought this. I don't know if you guys can see all of that. Yeah. Um, he signed his five-year contract on 125 grand a week. And believe it or not, he'd still be a West Ham player because that tied him until 2021. Um, but I'm going to forget how he left. Yes. Let's focus on what he did on the pitch. For us, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to games knowing that we could win. Um, whenever there was a free kick, nine out of ten, I knew he was going to score. And he scored some fantastic free kicks. Um, the skill on the ball, he, he, was, he was a level above the players on the pitch. And I, I, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way, but he mm-hmm. was just a different level for West Ham. And, and even on the season, we didn't go particularly well. I think it was against Borough. He single-handedly scored a goal to bring it back to one all, and, and that was very much about the player. So it upsets me why, why he went. And by the way, that picture, if there's any Marseille fans watching, get in touch with me via us and we could probably do a deal because I don't know if it's going back on the wall yet. But um, 
I'm, I'm going to focus on the positive memories. He was he was a great player to watch, and I was really pleased to, to see him playing a West Ham shirt. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. It was it was a privilege, wasn't it? I mean, you know, we don't get we don't very often. I mean, he was he was a different. Mark, you know, obviously we bought Brady towards the end of the career. You know, Pyatt was we bought him in his prime, really, because he had two years. That was his prime. He's gone off the boil completely at Marseille, and he wasn't. I mean, he was still good before we signed him, but he wasn't digging up trees. He was, like, statistically, statistically, he was the best, you know, behind De Bruyne and Ozil, or Nozzle, or whatever his name is. Um, he was the, you know, the top chance creator in Europe, but uh, it was just Ligue 1, and he wasn't really, you know, well revered, wasn't he, in the French team. Turned up for us, and from day one, looked like the best player in the league. Um <laughs> You know, it usually takes a few games from the bed in, don't particularly foreign based players. But he was brilliant and you're right, he was he was a type of player that, you know, every time he got the ball you just just got excited. You just knew something was gonna happen. And you're right, every you fancied us in every game we played, even like the big boys. Because we had Payet, you knew that a free kick, you know, thirty yards out, pretty much like a Julian penalty, really. You just knew it was probably gonna go in, if not it's gonna bloody be a good top good shot on target. But uh, he was mesmeric, you know, and I've said it before, you know, there was, he was the only player I can think of where my mates who weren't West Ham fans were jealous of. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah. But they all wanted Pyatt in their team and they were all worried when we played them because, oh, we got Pyatt. It doesn't happen very often, but it's, it's nice. Uh, it's nice when it happens once in a while. <laughs> right, we'll put Dimmy in. Let's go and um, central midfield players then, Matt. Who's your first one? Okay, another two that left left the club. But the first one, Scotty Parker. Yeah. Um, he won Hammer of the Year two years on the trot, and there was reasons why he won it. Um, he was great for us, and I firmly believe if we hadn't got relegated, he would have stuck around again. He had oh, yeah. signed a long term contract. Um, sadly, he went to Spurs, sort of blotted his career a little bit by, by doing that for us. But um, let's not forget what he did for us. And a, a game that sticks out in my mind, we were, was that since we got relegated, unfortunately, we played West Brom away with we 3 0 down. And apparently, he did a pep talk at half time. Mm. And, and Colton Cole said, you know, there was a tear in his eye. Um, and we came back to, to draw 3 all. And it's no surprise that Scotty's gone on to, to forge a managerial career at Fulham. And, you never know. He could be a future West Ham manager. I wouldn't say no to that if, he, if he's successful at other clubs. Um, no, yeah. So, yeah, I'll remember him well, um, but forget about him joining Spurs. Yeah, I mean, this is, this, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, some people call, oh, this guy's a legend, or this player's brilliant, this player was the top player for us. And it's like, then people don't talk about Scott Parker in the same breath. And I think, you know, if you, you know, West Ham fans, we love players who just, give their all who and he every game would literally crawl off the pitch you know he'd literally given everything you know he's some games when i mean he played with a crap team i mean the team weren't good and he was a shining light and sometimes it's almost like he was carrying the team on his back um and i just think i just think it's a shame that he's not with it because i mean you know you know like today what's his face uh, jordan henderson wins footballers right a player of the season um scott parker won that in the season we went down you know, that's that ne- that's never happened before you know we've got just as many footballer you know in our, we had, i mean man city have only had one one footballers writer of the year and that's raheem sterling and how many premier league titles and how many you know they won we've had one as well we had scott parker the season we went down i thought it was great i i love scott parker and you're right he's doing a great job at fulham 
who knows? You know, who knows? You know, I think there's definitely a wave to get more West Ham boys in the backroom staff as well, isn't it? So obviously you've got Kevin Nolan and you've got Kevin Keane and uh, Stevie Potts and Colin Cole, Konczewski, Zavon. They're all sort of getting involved and um, maybe, maybe, who knows? Or maybe Noble eventually. You know, I think <laughs> you never know, do you? <laughs> right, who's, who's, who's Scotty going to partner in the middle there, Matt? Well, you mentioned Noble. He nearly made it. And, uh, and I'm a big fan of Mark. And he's, he's been a great servant to the club. And this is a little bit controversial yet again. But I'm going to go for Michael Carrick. Um, because yeah. I saw young Carrick come through. And uh, people seem to forget this. But when we were relegated, a number of the key players left. And Carrick stayed on for another season. And we nearly got up, yeah, we nearly got up. We went to the playoff finals there. We lost, we lost to Palace 1-0 after that game. Not straight after the game like Defoe did, but after the game, after a bit of time, he, he said that he wanted to play yeah. back in the Premiership. And he deserved to. He was a player that was always going to be destined for better things and bigger things. Um, but he just looked so good at a young age. He looked comfortable on the ball. Um, and, yeah, he was a good player for us. And he obviously had a, a great career elsewhere as well. Yeah, and I think he got a bit... Not under, we definitely got underappreciated the rest of them, I think, it, when you look back. But I think you saw, because you had that generation, that golden generation that Harry said and Tony Carr talked about, and you forget about Michael Carrick a little bit, I think. In some people, he gets a little bit lost in the wash, you know what I mean? In terms of you've got Joe Cole and you've got Rio Ferdinand, and, and then Carrick. He always not was afterthought, but he's always and Michael Carrick, where you know, arguably, you know, the impact he had on Tottenham and Man United and West Ham left a massive hole in all three of those teams when he left or retired. You know, I mean, you know, Tottenham particularly, you know, because that was probably his his best football. I'd say he's obviously towards it. Man United was sort of getting a little bit older, but um, no, I loved him. You're right, and he's just he, he and he had that ability which very few West Ham players have of just creating their own time. Do you know what I mean? He got the ball and the, just the touch gave him time. And you know, people like Trevor Brooking were the same, you know, not fantastically quick, but they got the ball and just the way they touched or the way they turned, they had this time, which no one else could get. And it's just it's a really bizarre thing looking back and watching it. But yeah, no, I loved, I love Michael Carrick. I think you're right. I think, um, I think slightly unappreciated, but, uh, but anyway, anyway, we'll move on. Up front, who we got? Who's your first striker then, Matt? So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of strikers I would love to have picked. Um, but the first one is going to go for the second best West Ham player I've seen, and that's Paolo Di Canio. Yeah. Um, you know, first and foremost, the goal against Wimbledon. I, I was there uh, for that game, an uh, unbelievable goal. I think he won goal of the decade and, and the best premiership goal that, that season. Yeah. Um, he, he, he really wore his heart on the sleeve. And it was a, it was a big move for Harry to bring him in because... Obviously, with all the controversy over Paul Hillcock and Sheffield Wednesday and what happened. And Harry took a gamble there. I think he got him in with Vivian um, Foe at the time for a couple of million quid. And, um, you know, people forget, they focus on the negative of what he did with Sheffield Wednesday. But I recall the game up at Everton where um, Gerard, the goalkeeper, went down and, and the game stopped because Dicano picked up the ball. And I'm like, what are you doing? Scott, God, we never win the Goodison Park, you know. What's he doing? And he won um, FIFA Fair Play of the Year award and so on. And, you know, there was a lot of good parts to the Canio and, and he was West Ham through and through. And a lot of people don't know this, but Alex Ferguson really did want to sign Di Canio. That was genuine interest. And Di Canio turned that down. And he just said he couldn't do that to West Ham because they're taking a chance of, on him. And he, he really wanted to, to, to play for West Ham. And 
Repos to turn down Man United at the peak of their career is, is a big statement. So a lot of time for him. Fantastic. Yeah. And he's another one. Sort of, I'll get a little bit worried by the thought, but he could be a West Ham manager at some point as well. And it would, it would be a bit of a wild ride for us. But he's, he's, I'd love to see him come back in some yeah, yeah, some capacity. I wouldn't put him, you know, it's like, you know, I wouldn't put him in charge of the coppers, but, you know, you know, but uh, I know what you mean about him. He was, he was, I mean, I think, you know how like Kevin Nolan is sort of our, he's, you know, he's obviously a fantastic, you know, clearly he's, he has a great rapport with the, the players and, and, and but I could see De Canio doing that role, you know, just, you need like, you know, or famously Julian was picked, he, he wasn't actually a coach, was he, originally, for, for when he was on the staff at West Ham, he was like, he had some weird, like, first team assistant coach, manager, you know, he had some weird thing, but it was basically sort of, you know, a G up person, I could see De Canio, you could imagine him sort of tearing into the team at, when we played Wolves' first game of the season, so, I know what you mean, but he's he was brilliant, wasn't he? And you know, I mean, the man's got a tattoo, a West Ham tattoo. You know, I haven't even got a West Ham tattoo, so you know, he's got one up on me. Um, probably because I pass out because I'm alert. I hate, um, yeah, I've got needle phobia, but but that's, that buys the buys. We move on. Um, but I know what you mean about Decanio. I, I mean, I loved him. Yeah, I mean, I think he was the best player. I think, I think, I think, you know, overall, I think Pyatt was technically the best person. You know, best person I've seen there, Claret and Blue Shirt. But you're right, Decanio was. He said he was number two. Yeah, he was probably the number two in terms of technical, but he had the passion, didn't he? He had like the entertainment. Value. We we want to be entertained as West Ham fans. You know, you went, you know, particularly when he was playing, very similar to Decanio, but uh, to Pyatt rather. But you'd go to the game being entertained. You knew if Paolo was playing, that something would happen. And it might be good, it might be bad, but something. Every game that period, something was happening. And that obviously, you know, we spoke up, we spoke about, you know, Bradford at five four and that was that was just a whole, you know, melting pot of everything that happened in that era. You know, it was just things that happened all the time. De Canio would get fouled. He want to be subbed off. He'd then, you know, beat a man and score a penalty and fight for the ball off Frank. And he was he was just when fo- football was fun. You know, there, he was. I don't think I don't find it fun now. I find it very professional. Do you know what I mean? And. There's no characters in the game and stuff like that. And he was a character. And that whole period was probably the last period we had decent characters in there. I mean, even, you know, even someone like, you know, I don't know, even someone like Deck. De- I mean, Deck's a lovely guy off the pitch. But on the pitch, he, you know, he's, he's very professional. And uh, where someone like John Moncur, you know, he's not, he wasn't as as great as Declan Rice. But you'd be entertained by him because he would do something silly and football... Football's going to be fun, you know what I mean? It's like, it's too much of a chore sometimes, you know, it's like, particularly before everything happened. I mean, going to West Ham might have been seen by many as being a bit of a... <sighs> we'll go West Ham on Saturday, where it should be. No, I'm going football on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I think, um, who knows? You know, this, this, this new era we're going to go into now. And uh, I think it's about having players who you think are going to fight for the shirt. Uh, you know, the, the Jared Bowens. You know, if we had a team with Jared Bowens and Declan Rices and Thomas Sucheks, I think we'd be all right. I think we'd be all right each season. Um, but yeah, no, Di Canio, yeah, I just, I love the man. He's brilliant. So many stories you hear, you know, obviously interviewing you know, loads of people. They all have their individual Di Canio stories and everyone was brilliant. And it just, it just, it increases your love for the man even more when you hear all these little fans. You know, people like John Joe, uh, John Joe and Gary um, Herman, they were talking about, you know, Paolo invited them to um, Swindon 
stadium um, when he was manager there and because uh, of all the work he did for the Bob Moore Foundation. And, you know, when he met him, um, when he met the two, first thing he did was he went on his knees and started going, we're not worthy, John Joe, we're not worthy. You know, he's like Kenya, he's in Kenya. And he got out and he's in, and he's in the... Uh, He's in the manager's office. He's at Swindon. They just—I think I might have just played a game. I think they drew or something. And he opens up his drawer, and it's full of West Ham photos. And it's like you know, like West Ham. You're at Swindon, but yeah, you got all these, and you're going through all the pictures and stuff like that. And you know, the man loves the club, you know. And um, yeah, he's got—I'd love him back in some capacity. I don't know what, but some capacity would be—it would be interesting, wouldn't it? It'd keep us entertained, surely, on the table. <laughs> So, with the Canio in the team, you've got one more spot left, Matthew. Who's it yeah, going to be? It's a tough one because there's, we've had actually some good strikers, and you know, Teddy Sheridan had a fantastic spell yeah. for us in, in the championship. And you know, again, was an aging player, but he, he was really, really good. I mean, you could see what a player he was. Um, but his best years were probably elsewhere, right? And and, and Jermaine, Jermaine Defoe, he scored a lot of goals for us as well. Yeah. Again, I think like the way he left and everything, and he regrets that now, and he's, he's put his hands up. So maybe we should forgive that one, but um. And also, we've mentioned the Scottish guy, Frank McAvenny, not the Italian guy, the Scottish guy, Frank McAvenny. And, you know, he was also great for us. But it's got to be Mr. West Ham, and that's TC, Tony yeah, Totti. Yeah, yeah. Um, he scored over 115 league goals over both spells for us. Scored in his debut, and, um, yeah, he, he was just fantastic. I, I was gutted when he left to go to Everton for, I think, just over two million quid. And you, you kind of look back and you think, come on, TC, you should have been like Mark Noble. You're a one-man club, but... You know, I, I, I get why he left now. Yeah. Um, we weren't going in the right direction for him. And he was prolific at Everton as well. And it's, it's a travesty he didn't get more in England caps because he, he was a goal scorer, a fox in the box, right? Yeah. Um, I think the only block I'll, I'll say to TC if I ever see him again is that he did play two games for Millwall, uh, which we yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, no, he, he's a West Ham legend. He's Mr. West Ham. He loves the club and yeah. um, he's a fantastic bloke. And he, what a great player for us. Yeah. He's got a There you're right. You're right. I mean, he's a lovely guy. And you, you, I mean, you're perfect. I mean, you know, when I interviewed him, he, he, he said, you know, to be honest, I sort of regretted leaving the first time. I, I do now in hindsight. But you're right. He, he wasn't going the way he, was, he wanted it to go. Um, and Everton came around as the shiny thing on the other side of the hill. And, you know, the grass is green on the other side. Um, and if it wasn't for... He's horrible. So if it wasn't for Bobby Moore dying, he might not have come back because he said, because obviously they, they, they had the game where it was the All-Star 11, um, the Premier League All-Star 11 against West Ham. And obviously everyone was like, and, and he got a really nice reception because the last time he came, when he was at Everton, he got booed off the park, you know, and, um, and then he got a really good reception. And then that started the wheels in motion that if something came up, he'd, be back at West Ham in the shot, and so it's weird how things happen like that, isn't it? It's but it's it's he's he's such an amazing, he's so lovely. I love TC, and he's just got such an anorak brain about stats. He's a real statistician, and uh, yeah, he's you know he's just so funny. You know, he was telling me you know there's seventeen home there's seventeen. Um, club records that 85 86 teams still hold, which is mental. Mental because of that, how good that season was, but mental that we haven't been any better since then. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of, right. it's sort of both ends of the chart, but you're right. And also, the 86 season when he was 
I don't know, top scoring Englishman by a country mile and doesn't get picked for the World Cup. You know, it's weird. You, but, you know, that West Ham sort of biasness against us has always been there. You know, it's, it's weird, but it, it happens too often to not be a thing, really. I think there's too many England managers, you know, it's like Julian Deeks, you know. Billy Bonds, you know, you've got two of them who have never played for England. How the hell can those two players never played for England? It's absolutely mental. But um, that man, it's been lovely. It's been really nice chatting, reminiscing, going down uh, going down memory streets, memory road rather. Um, thank you, because I can tell there's been a lot of work gone in there. There's a lot I can see, you know, you've been conflicting. I can see there's been some late night decisions on some <laughs> of those. Uh, and that's why, I like, I don't, that's why I don't like, you know, once we, once we get your, once we get the, um, at the time booked in, I don't like then postponing it because you might change your mind another four times. Exactly. You know, exactly. yeah. Christ, you know, after some, you know, after Sunday, Antonio might score another hat trick. He could have, been, you know, but you know, <laughs> that's a, he's open. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? But um, no, it's been lovely. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, and obviously, thanks everyone for watching. Um, you know, to do like, share, subscribe. Um, and until next time, for me and Matthew, take care. Come you irons and big game on Sunday. See you later. Bye bye. See you. Bye bye. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.